Welcome, Rick Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast episode 36 with brand new intro music or re-intro music or whatever you want to call it. Exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use that discount code the rink to get all your Christmas wear. Buy gifts for everybody. Buy rink wear for everybody for Christmas. What better time of year to go over to Puck Hockey and buy some of their brand new stuff and use that discount code to get some uh, brand new high quality hockey gear or at least hockey wear. Uh, so anyway, today is Wednesday, November 21st, 2018. I'm Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Yes, Satan. Uh, and I am joined by my good friend, co-host and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jacob. Hello, sir. Clowns to the left of me, jabronis to the right. <laughs> Lock it up! And together, we are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hockey hangout, thedashrink.com. So, um, Blackhawks are playing right now. Uh, they're down two to nothing in the first period to the Capitals. Yeah, playing is a word you could use. Yeah. One, one, well, one they're out there. Describe it. They're out there. They're dressed um, like hockey players. The other players. term is shitting the bed. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, they what, what, was the, what was the goal they gave up? Like a minute in? Two minutes in tops? Terrible. Yeah. 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 So, uh, anyway, that's not going so well. Hopefully we'll have things going a little better here at the Ringcast. So, um, do our best. Yeah, we're going to try. We're definitely going to try. Actually, it's like a full boat of like games going on in the NHL. I heard on the way here that every game or every team, but the two that played last night, which was the, uh, the now coached by, uh, uh, Paul bearer, uh, Edmonton Oilers (laughs) played, uh, and won in overtime against uh, San Jose sharks last night, but every other team in the NHL is now playing tonight. So it's a busy night. Busy, busy for everyone. So, uh, but um, first of all, I want to announce a, little, a special little announcement. It, it uh, we have come to an agreement with the Chicago Steel. We will now be giving some special coverage to the Chicago Steel and all their games and their prospects and uh, all the events that they have going on. We have a dedicated writer uh, that will be uh, covering the Steel. We'll be out at a bunch of the games. Uh, which will also cover, you know, some of the, the Hawks prospects that will be coming in and playing against the Steel as well. So uh, we're really happy to hear about, you know, we're really happy to be, you know, partnering up with the Chicago Steel and uh, and covering them. Uh, you know, uh, we did, uh, John, you and I, last year we announced, uh, you know, that, that special uh, announcement where we kind of leaked that uh, it looked like they were possibly going to be moving to that new multi-use facility in Naperville. Yep. We did it. We had it probably what's a good six months before uh, the, the mainstream media had it. And it's uh, true. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, we, we'll be covering that as well when, you know, when, when that kind of thing comes around, there's really been no formal thing that's been announced, but, but when, or if it does, uh, you know, we'll be involved. I think they've broken ground. I, I think on the facility, I, I know that I think they have the land and, and all the papers have been signed from yeah. what I know. So, yeah. Well, well, we shall see. So, yeah, we're very happy. I mean, welcome, welcome to the rink, Chicago Steel. We're happy to have you on board. We are Ray Napientek, who's one of our writers, has been doing a lot of our previews this year. Really good guy. Um, is going to be uh, our regular writer on the Steel, and so we'll give you a lot of visibility into the Steel, as well as um, you know uh, USHL visibility for uh, Hawk prospects in the US, USHL. In addition to 
regular uh, major junior coverage from uh, our own Ron Luce as well. So um, it's, you know, part of what we promised you we were going to do is uh, uh, deep and broad coverage, um, all levels of hockey. And uh, we're going to, we're going to keep adding to it as well. Um, we've got a couple of other holes we're still looking to fill, um, but uh, now we've got major junior, especially the USH, USHL really covered. And we're really excited about it. Steel is a great organization, um, kind of a, flagship organization in the ushl um you know they're building that new arena uh they're located in a huge market and so we're excited it's really cool and we appreciate the steel reaching out to us yeah we got a great fan they got a great fan base so we're looking forward to all the new fans that will be coming to read you know all their steel news so and we'll we'll, we're we're gonna hopefully put together some unique stuff and some interesting stuff that's gonna you know keep everyone coming back and we're really excited about this. So I think we're going to get some steel jerseys too. I think that's something we're going to have to hook up as well. Yeah. 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 We're on board. We're totally on board. Uh, you know, the steel are fans of us and we're fans of them. So, uh, there's so, no accounting for taste <laughs> yeah. as far as they're being fans of ours. Of yes. Yes, for sure. So, um, that being said, um, I don't want to waste a whole lot of time. We did talk about Blackhawks a little bit, but, uh, I want to throw this over to David Eckert. We interviewed him the other day. Uh, Aaron Goldschmidt and I interviewed him about uh, Evan Barrett, who's a Blackhawks prospect. Uh, he was. Uh, I, I talk a little bit more about it in the interview, but he's a you know he's a six foot, uh, one hundred eighty seven pound, nineteen year old left handed center, sophomore at Penn State, leading the nation in scoring. He's tied with his line mate Alex Limoges. Um, so he's, he's really getting, he, he's really getting out there and scoring and making his, making a name for himself. Kind of like, uh, Dylan Sakura did. And we're going to talk about him in a little bit, kind of like Dylan Sakura did a couple years ago when he kind of shot out of nowhere and, uh, became the leading scorer in the uh, NCAA. So, uh, we're going to throw this over to, uh, to our little interview. So without further ado, here is David, Aaron and I. Joining us for this special prospect segment this evening from Blue White Illustrated and the Daily Collegian, which are the newspapers at Penn State University, we have David Eckert, who is also the co-host of Penn State Puck Podcast and the Collegian Sports Speak Podcast. Um, also, Aaron, we do have Aaron on the line. Hello, sir, Aaron. What's up, guys? There he is. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we thought we would talk a little bit about Evan Barrett. He's a Blackhawks prospect. Uh, he was drafted third third round, 90th overall in 2017. He's a center, left-handed, uh, sophomore Penn State. He's been lighting, he's basically lighting the NCAA up and scoring. He's uh, first for scoring, uh, or actually the Penn State offense is first in scoring at five, over almost six goals a game. Uh Tied for the NC, he's tied for the NCAA lead in scoring with teammate Alex Limoges. It's Limoges, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's silent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I I had to do a little research on that one to figure that one out. Uh, that <laughs> yeah, one wasn't yeah. easy. Uh, he's got he's fourth in goals per game. Uh, he's got in eleven games he's got nine goals and ten assists, so it's nineteen points in eleven games. So he's really just lighting the lighting the world on fire, but. Anyone has has uh, has seen the videos online of Evan Barrett first taunting a guy in the penalty box is Ryan Lindgren from I think it was uh, it was at Arizona State. 
Minnesota last year. Was, it was yeah, Minnesota. At the end of the season. Yeah, uh, taunting Ryan Lindgren in the penalty box, then crushing him with a hit the next shift, then scoring in that same shift. And then he also, I think it was this year, he did uh, his little Michigan lacrosse goal just a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So he's kind of coming out of nowhere. He's kind of doing a lot like what uh, 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 Dylan Sakura did years ago where you know he kind of came out of nowhere. It was like six-round pick. No one knew about him, but then he, came, he just kind of came up. So tell us a little about Evan Barrett and what he's doing right now for Penn State. Uh, well, Evan, in, in my view, is the most important part of the best line in college hockey, as, as you know, um, every, you know, every week when I, it's, it's fun. I like to go and I like to look and see how many, how many teams that that line is outscoring. <laughs> so that line in total has, has 21 goals and that's more than 14 NCAA teams, including teams like Minnesota and Boston college. Wow. And, you know, yeah. Uh, Evan is, uh, Evan is a huge part of that. He's, you know, it's tough to, you know, point to, you know, assets with Evan, but he just, he plays so dang hard and he's just always in on the forecheck and he's just, he's, he's just an absolute, it's cliche, but he's a grinder and, and he's, you know, nobody on that team plays harder than Evan Barrett does. And, you know, he's what really makes that line click. And, you know, he's, he's, he's just been fantastic. And, you know, last year, they they had kind of you know the, that line probably around like the one third mark of the season last year that line came together and you know they they had some opportunities and they just really weren't finishing toward the end of the year they started finishing and you know they were scoring at a pretty absurd rate and they're doing it doing it again this year and you know Evan really makes them makes them click so he's he's definitely definitely having himself a good start to the year. Hey David, I covered um, Evan last year. Um, in his rookie season or his freshman year, and he got he started a little slow out of the gate, um, but then he ended up on the season with about 18 points uh, in 32 games. This season, completely different. 11 games into the season, he's already you know exceeded his point total. He's got 19 right now, uh, nine goals, 10 assists. He had a hat trick um, in that last game against Michigan. Um, why all of a sudden this huge? Um, you know, growth spurt here. What what happened in his development that made him just explode? Um, you know, I think he's 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 the way that uh, that Evan scores is he doesn't do a ton of you know uh, he's he's not a sniper by any means. He, he scores dirty goals. He gets deflections. He gets rebounds, and he's physical. And you know that's that's not usually something that you see from a guy who's I think he's five eleven. He's not big, um, but He's, he's in front of the net all the time, and I think really that's what's made the biggest difference. Um, and, you know, I wasn't I wasn't there for his hat trick. I, as I told you, I was at Rutgers uh, covering that you know great football game between Penn State and Rutgers. But uh, <laughs> you know, he was really he was he's just been really really physical, and he's 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 a big net front a small net front presence, but big in importance for Penn State and. You know, it's helped that his line mates have been really good, too. I, I think, you know, it's probably not what you guys want to hear, you know, as, as Blackhawks writers and, and, you know, listeners being Blackhawks fans. But I do think that a lot of Evan's production just comes from the synergy of that line and, you know, the guys that he plays with, too. It's, it's, not, it's not him, uh, you know, alone creating all of this. There are two really good players in Alex Limoges and Liam Polks on his wings, um, 
and you know neither of them are NCAA draft picks, but they're really really good college hockey players. And uh, for him, I, I think that that has a, a lot to do with it as well. They're just as a unit, there there's a ton of clicking going on. Yeah, that kind of leads me into my next question. Um, do you think Barrett is his success is a product of this system? I mean, I know Penn State is a run and gun type team. They put up a lot of shots and. And this year, they're really starting to convert on goals. But if you took Evan Barrett out and let's say you put him on uh, a World Junior Team USA type team, is he going to have the same amount of impact, do you think, um, surrounded by, you know, the nation's best players? Um, I would say, you know, definitely not. And, and that's not a knock at Aaron, at Evan, excuse me. It's just that, at, you know, Penn State's system is so unique. And, I, you know, I... It, the best way for me to, I think, to answer this question is, you know, the the uh, the Penn State has a, uh, a a Penguins prospect in Nikita Pavlichev, who is six foot seven, conservatively enormous, and is is an, a defensive player. And he was leading the nation in in or he was second in the nation in points going ahead going into last week. So, you know, that's that's the kind of boost that this system can give to these guys. Um, Evan, Evan is extremely talented and, and, and he's, you know, I think he can probably be an NHL player, but that's, these numbers by no means are, I don't want to say real, but they're, they're inflated because Penn State, I mean, they're scoring almost six goals a game. They scored 11 goals last weekend or two weekends ago against Robert Morris in one game. You know, it's, it's, it's absurd. So I, and anybody on that roster is going to have their, their, you know, scoring statistics inflated a little bit. Do you see uh, Penn State slowing down at all? I mean, I agree with you. They're kind of um, video game statistics right now. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you know, Michigan, I thought, would be a good test. And you know, Michigan has, you know, four NHL prospects on its blue line. And Penn State scored, uh, I think, four goals on Friday and, and seven goals on Saturday. So, you know, that's about right on par with their, their average. Um, I, as a team, I, I'm, I think the Big Ten is definitely going to expose them defensively a little bit. Um, you know, they have questions goaltending-wise, and, you know, their decor, in my view, just is, is not very good. Um, so I, I do think – I don't know if the offense specifically is going to slow down a ton. I mean, it, the goals per game average is going to get under five because it has to. I mean – you know, uh, I, 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 at least I think it has to. But, you know, uh, I think they're going to start losing some games. Um, I, I think they're probably a top 10 team in the country, but uh, top five where they've been hanging out, you know, for these last couple of weeks probably isn't where they're going to end up. Yeah, looking at their schedule, um, they go to Ohio State this weekend. Then they play at Wisconsin, Notre Dame. So that's three really tough Big Ten matchups um, in the next yep few weeks and then you know yeah i mean there were what three big 10 teams in the frozen four last year yeah. so it's definitely yeah. uh, a hard conference to come out of um i got one maybe two more questions but what, if there was a what nhl player would you uh, compare evan barrett's game to oh geez um. <laughs> i was gonna kind of go there too on that one i was gonna kind of give a, a comparison of it and I'm just going by what I hear, which is like, what about like a Dave Bolin type player when he was at his, you know, when he was healthy and stuff? Yeah, you know, I could see that. 
again, I mean, like I said, Evan isn't, it's tough to point to the tools with Evan. It's really hard to point to the tools with Evan. He's, he's just, he's, he, he, he just, he tries so hard. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you guys the conversation that I had with him and Alex Limoges, one of his blind mates. And that's, you know, I asked Evan, you know, like, where did this come from? And what's your biggest asset? And he told me that, you know, his emotions are his biggest asset. And I thought that was interesting. And, you know, I asked him which, which emotion it was. And, you know, he kind of shirked the question. He wouldn't really tell me. So I asked, I asked Limoges, I was like, what do you think the most, you know, the most powerful emotion that, that Evan has is? And Limoges, you know, he starts laughing and he goes, I can tell instantly when he's pissed. And, <laughs> you know, he, he said, that's when, uh, that's when those that that highlight against Minnesota. I mean, obviously, you know, he was chirping in the in the in the uh, penalty box, so it's pretty easy to tell when he's pissed. But you know, Limoges, he said, "Hey, when Evan gets angry, he's he's gonna he's gonna you know walk an entire defense and and you know get the puck to the net and he's gonna lay somebody out." Like it's 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 interesting because he'll just be I don't want to say invisible, but he'll he'll be quiet on the ice for a while, and then all of a sudden he'll just do something insane and you're like where on earth did that come from because you, you just don't he, he he's just not someone who you're constantly noticing he's he just jumps out at these small moments and he makes big plays out of it and you know i don't really know how to translate that into you know an nhl nhl uh a comparison but I, I, that's you know the analysis that i have to offer from just what makes him go i think yeah, well, David, let me tell you something. Um, you're hitting on a lot of chords for Blackhawks fans um, as far as this type of player because we don't have too much of this. We don't have um, guys willing to get to the front of the net, good centermen, um, gritty players. Mm. We don't have a lot of guys showing a lot of emotion. I mean, Gate and I talk about this at length about how, um, you know, if one of the Blackhawks players gets blown up in a big hit, nobody really responds. And uh, yeah. not, not that we're really encouraging that, but it's really about having your team's teammates' backs and things like that. But, um, yeah, so, you know, my last question would be, how do you kind of rate Evan Barrett as a centerman, um, you know, his face-off numbers and kind of him distributing the puck this year um, as a sophomore? I think he's been very good, um, you know. I don't have his face-off numbers in front of me. I'm pretty sure he's won more than half. Um, Penn State, going into the this weekend, was the leading face-off uh, team in the country. I, I don't know if they stayed that way. Uh, yeah, actually, they did. I just looked. They're, as a team, they're winning 60% of their draws. So, I mean, Evans, Evans, the success of Evans' line speaks for itself. I mean, you know, the centerman is, is, the, is the guy that makes it run, and Evan is, in my view, the best player on the best line in college hockey. Um, he, he wins the draws that he has to. Uh, you know, the one caveat that I would add to that is I, I don't – the NCAA doesn't track, like, stone starts. I can't, they don't even track ice time, for God's sakes. But, you know, um, they don't track zone starts. But I do think that line starts in the offensive zone an awful lot. And, you know, it makes sense because they put the puck in the net. But uh, – I do think that those numbers and, and just the success in general can be inflated a little bit by that. Um, but yeah, he, he, he distributes there. There was a, uh, there was a play against Robert Morris actually, where you, the puck was on his stick for a millisecond. And then he was at a little above the, the left dot. Um, he was on his stick for a second. 
passed it to Liam Fox in the slot, who passed it to Alex Limoges, you know, at, at, at the, uh, in the crease, a wide open net. And it was just one of the most beautiful passing plays I've seen in, in a college hockey game. And, you know, Evan started it. Um, and he, he has the ability to finish down low. He's not going to wow you with a shot, but um, he'll put the puck in the net. And, you know, he, he has adequate passing ability too, but, it like it doesn't it doesn't jump off the page, but it's it's good enough I think for a guy with as much drive as as Evan has. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Now, when I when I mentioned Dave Boland, and that was because you know he, as an overage and junior, he he scored a ton of goals. So he clearly had the he clearly has the skill set, you know, to score goals and all that stuff. But defensively he was like a beast out there he was the shutdown center for years he uh he was just an agitator without like having to fight people he was just agitating the other team's best centers which is something that the Blackhawks lack right now now another player who sounds who's roughly the same size and Blackhawks fans are pining for since they lost him was Andrew Shaw Mm. he kind of played that he played the center he wasn't really a prototypical NHL center, but he won fa- he he was able to win faceoffs. He played with an edge. He was, you know, he was a beast at the four check. And uh he didn't get himself, you know, he would take some dumb penalties and that was his downfall really. But um he was a good solid NHL player until he started getting, you know, injured and having injury problems. But that's another player who I could s- sort of see based on the explanation and uh his drive and his attitude and his willingness to go to, you know, those rough, tough areas and take a beating and, and come out swinging is Andrew Shaw. So, yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a better comparison. And because Evan, you know, as you said with Shaw, Evan will take some dumb penalties, but that's it, it, it's it's a give and take. You know, for him to play the way he plays, it's going to happen. Um He's cut down on, on him a little bit this year. It doesn't seem like he's being set to the box for, you know, dumb reasons as often. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I like that comparison uh, more than the Boland one, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Boland, too, he was uh, he was very, you know, strict and structured. And uh, Andrew mm-hmm. Shaw was kind of – we, we had a love-hate with him. Like, everyone loved him, and but, you know, <laughs> he would always take that dumb penalty and uh, flip, you know, say something stupid in the penalty box and get in trouble and – he did a lot of crazy things, but uh, part of that is what made Blackhawks fans really love him was that personality and headbutting the goal into the net. And uh, just like, you never knew what you were going to get out of him, but he didn't kill your team usually. And uh, they, they like that kind of thing around, you know, they're willing to, they're willing to deal with a couple of mistakes if they can get, you know, two or three really good personality moments out of a guy and, and a big goal to win a game or something. So he has he has no shortage on personality on the ice. That's for sure. He's he's as passionate as it comes. You know. Yeah. Um. It's interesting though. Off the ice, he, it's like it's it it can be like you know picking teeth, getting stuff out of him. Sometimes he doesn't like to say a lot. Uh, you know, it's 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 interesting to see that contrast. But yeah, it's he's. I tell you, he's he's really fun to watch. Like, I I, I enjoy. I look forward to that line getting on the ice just because. You know, you know, Evan's going to make something happen, and if he's not in one of his two line mates, probably in. So, it's uh, it's 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 really impressive what they've been able to do for sure. Do you got any other uh, questions, Aaron? I think that'll do it, uh, David. I really appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah, 
Thanks. I, uh, I, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, two quick questions and I'll let you, and then we'll let you go. Uh, the first sure. one defensively is, is he lacking on the defensive side? Like, you know, in his own zone or is, is, is he, uh, you know, as much of a badger in the defensive zone as he is in the offensive zone. <laughs> you know, it sounds crazy, but you don't see them in the defensive zone very much just because yeah. they forecheck so well. And, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, they start in the offensive zone. I think just from my own eye test more often, more often than not. Um, but I, I, I never noticed him, you know, missing an assignment or anything. And, and it's tough. You know, you, we, we, we touched on how, you know, Penn State style might, conflate the offensive numbers a little bit Mm -hmm. if anything i I think the defensive numbers are more conflated just because there's no there's not much structure going on for them defensively and when teams are scoring it's on odd man rushes because they're so aggressive you know pinching from the blue line and 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 stuff you never really see them get hemmed in their zone and and you know just teams beat them with possession that's that's not usually how it works for penn state but Mm -hmm. i i've never you know been been struck by you know defensive uh you know mistakes from heaven right and uh my last question and then uh thanks again like i said like like aaron said you know thanks for uh, joining us my last question is what do you see like beyond this season with uh evan like do you think he's he's gonna take a shot and leave and maybe sign a pro try and sign a pro contract in the spring or do you think maybe you'll see him back next year you know as a junior what what's your uh gut instinct well my gut instinct probably says he comes back um and i I have a couple reasons for that is that he is younger than most uh college hockey uh uh sophomores he's actually like if an actual college sophomore we're 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 playing hockey that's what age evan is most Mm -hmm. of these guys are older than their their year indicates Mm -hmm. um but evan is you know, it, but but then again, if he if he has you know the, if he keeps up his pace, then you know it, it's tough to see him coming out because there are no better conditions for him to to, to sign a, a contract than than if he you know puts up well, I don't even know what he's averaging like a point and a half per game. You know that's absurd. Yeah. So if if for whatever reason Penn State's offense doesn't slow down and and you know Evan and, and that that line just keep having an absurd year, then then he'll come out, but. I do tend to think that it'll it'll I don't I don't think it's it's sustainable, especially with Big Ten play getting underway now. Um, so I think he'll probably stay for another year. And and you know he's his he's not the biggest guy either. I think he can benefit from another year. You know, uh, m- maturity wise, physically, and and you know just just getting some more some more muscle added onto his frame. I, I don't know necessarily that especially the way that he plays that he would, he would be able to, to play in an NHL game right now, just because he relies so much on, you know, just outworking you. And then if he doesn't, if he doesn't have the, the leverage that he needs to do that, then I think, you know, that might be a problem in a, in a, in a pro game, but I, it's tough to say just because you, you don't, you're not in their heads and they're not yeah. going to talk about it. But if, if, if I had to, if I had to guess, I'd say he'd come back. Awesome. Well, thanks again. That's David Eckert. Uh, you can find all of his stuff on Twitter. Uh, it's David Eckert, E-C-K-E-R-T-98 on Twitter, right? Yep. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us, David. All right. 
Okay. Thanks, David, for uh, the interview. It was great. He, uh, he, again, he writes for the Blue White Illustrated and the Daily Collegian over at uh, Penn State, and uh, he does a great work over there. So uh, I, I, we, we thank him for his time and all, all of his uh, information about uh, Evan Barrett. I hope that helps everybody out. Basically, I mean, he basically says that, uh, you know, kind of Evan Barrett's more like, a, you know, the next version of Andrew Shaw. So take it for what it is. But, uh, you know, the Blackhawks could use some of that. So, you know, maybe it's the next generation of that uh, that kind of player. Yeah, like we were talking about before we went on, Gate. I mean, if if this is a guy who can keep his emotions somewhat in check and can still be that agitating kind of guy and can uh, can play and contribute at the NHL level in terms of his skill, that would, yeah, that would be a, a nice ad for this team. Yeah, for sure. So... Let's get on. We'll move on a little bit. The, the The Blackhawks are about to, I don't know, it's getting towards the end of the first period. They're still down 2 nothing. There was a uh, reviewed goal or uh, that would... A pot- reviewed non-goal. Yeah, reviewed non-goal by Marcus Kruger, but the Blackhawks are still down 2 nothing, And uh, they're not looking so hot at this point in time. No, they're looking like a Chinese fire drill right now. So, well, that being said, um, the good news this week was that Corey Crawford was named the second uh, NHL star or the NHL second star of the week or whatever the hell they call it. Uh, you know, and he deserved it. You know, he had the stats to go to, to, uh, to support it and everything. Uh, I was uh, looking at stats a little bit. And when I, I was trying to compare stats, like before, you know, when Q was around and when, you know, and then when Colleton took over and he's only, he's only six games in They're what two, two and two with him at the helm. Yeah. So they're under, and I, I was speaking with uh, the dude from the urban radio or whatever that, uh, the other day, and uh, he was bringing it up and he's like, well, you know, they're 500. And I'm like, yeah, actually they're not 500. No, right. Actually they're two and four because those are losses. Those are overtime losses. So they're actually yeah. two and four and they're under 500. But, uh, you know, I was looking at the stats and, and they won two in a row, which is really good. Uh, the only stat that really the stats that really stood out for me, um, as far as you know what's going on out on the ice, pretty much all their possession stats, their faceoff stats, everything else pretty much lines up the same way it was before Q was when Q was here. The yeah. one thing or the two things that that were noticeable to me that were definitely better were uh, the Blackhawks goalie save percentage and their high danger save percentage. All both went up. Which, well, that's probably because of Crawford. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it right. was Crawford's play that caused that to go up. So yeah. if Crawford can stand on his head the rest of the season, we're in great shape. But well, um, we'll be a five hundred team. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So it's it's not really you know, it's not really anything else. You know, even in the bad games, like the stats weren't any worse than the bad games with Q. Right. So Collins is not doing any worse than what Q was doing, and. Right. That's, you know, that's fine. I mean, he's still getting his feet wet right now. I don't, I'm sure that, you know, a month ago, he wasn't expecting to be where he's at. Now he's kind of trying to put things together at the last minute and he's hanging in there. So, yeah, I think, I, I think what we have seen, and, and this won't be the first time we've said it on here, but there's now more evidence of it is that it wasn't the coach, you know, it's not, it was a cue and it's nothing against Colton. It's the fact that this roster is just not that good. And, um, you know, that's, that's, is what it is. And, uh, I don't know. I've, I've had some people ask me some questions this uh, last week or two about, you know, what the Hawks should be looking to trade for. I have some thoughts on that. 
Um, I don't know if we got that in a formal question, but it's something I'd like to address at some point tonight. Um, because I have some, some, I mean, I personally, I think any kind of trade they make to, to patch up this roster to kind of sort of make it better this year, I think is a, is a waste. They should be looking for top young talent. That's the only thing that they should be trading for. Um, but, uh, you know, we can talk more about that. Oh, Peter Patter. Let's get at her. (laughs) Uh, well, since you brought it up, the news today was TSN floated a rumor or at least a trade scenario. Not that it has, you know, not that, not that anyone has mentioned that it's an actual possibility, but uh, for some reason, they decided to float this out on the day before yeah. th- uh, the day before U.S. Thanksgiving, which was Brandon Saad for for Willie Nylander's rights, which then the Blackhawks would have to, you know, sign him. Um, what did you think of that? Uh, well, you know, honestly, you know, Saad, by the way, playing better, um, uh, playing, you know, sort of like Brandon Saad. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I'm I'm more of a Saad fan, I think, than most. So it didn't strike me as being all super crazy, but at the same time, I, I think, you know, cause you know, again, the, a lot of the, the, the reactions to it on, on Twitter were that it's insane. You know, Nylander's worst scoring year is better than Saad's best, but there's things that Saad does beyond just scoring, just scoring goals. And, and um, so, I mean, yeah, but it's probably would be lopsided toward the Hawks. Definitely. Um, the other thing about it is I would say, so it's, and it's not going to happen. That's the other thing. But the other thing I would say about it is I, I don't know that I trade Saad um, to, to acquire a good young player like Nylander. To me, I think the Hawks have to be looking at trading, you know, veteran core players if they can. Uh, I mean, get serious about this rebuild um, because that's what it is, even though they're not admitting it, even though they're now having a Black Friday ticket sale. Did you see that one? No, I Black, missed that. Yeah. Cyber, no, Cyber Monday ticket sale. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. It's like, you know, it's like the Kalamazoo Wings ticket sale. I mean, that's where we're at with this team. You know, it's it's they're gonna they have to really compete and scratch to get interest now. And um, again, I think I think the organization finally needs to start being honest with the fans about where they're really at and bite the bullet and really get really get serious about a rebuild. It's funny, I was following a. a uh, Twitter today and I saw a comment or a tweet by Blackhawks breakdown about how the team is sort of, you know, half pregnant. They're not really rebuilding, but they're not really competing. And I'm like, how long have we been saying that? Yeah. No kidding. We've been saying it for you know? a year almost. Yeah. And, uh, but it's good that other people are seeing it. I mean, it's, it's just as plain as the nose on your face. It's, it's hard, you know, to miss it now, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, getting a guy like Nylander would be great, but to me, Sod's not the guy I give up. And of course, you're not going to get him for Artem Anisimov because you're probably not even going to get a second round draft pick for him. Um, but, you know, the, the, the bottom line is a young player like Nylander, a potentially very high end player. Uh, yeah, that's the, those are the kind of guys you want to get, especially young ones. But, uh, you know, what, what it's going to take to, to do it is probably going to be those, you know, more veteran core players um, who nobody seems to want to part with. But, you know, they're part of a 500 team now and they're paid a lot of money. You know, so people have to choose. Fans have to choose. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. You're being very on dude. <laughs> so, yeah, well, man, I, I'm a big side fan myself. Uh, you know, I've been really saying, hang in there. He'll come back. He'll, he's And he's played probably 
his last two games are two of his better games that he's had with the Blackhawks since probably yep. last year of this time, you know, this time yep. last year. So you know, we're finally coming around again and sure. Um, I don't, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, Neil Under's only 22 years old. He put up 60 points last year, two years in a row, actually put 60 points up. I was looking at his stats today and, uh, you know, which is one more year than Nick Schmaltz put up 60 points. Uh, <clears throat> but I digress. Uh, yeah. You know, even if you were to trade side, you'd probably have to throw in something else. Um, yeah. Schmaltz doesn't get him for you. Uh, I think Schmaltz no, but in you know, Maybe else. Schmaltz at a prospect or Schmaltz at a pick. Um, I would know, do that in a heartbeat. It, pardon me? I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, and it depends, you know, on how the wings feel about Schmaltz. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think, the, you know, Brandon Saad is more of a complete and finished player at this point. You know what you're going to get with him. And that's the thing with Schmaltz. You don't know. I mean, um, there are people talking about, oh, you can't trade Schmaltz. He could be a 70-point-a-year player, you know. But I, these are people who evidently are not seeing, um, you know, other aspects of his game that are just really troubling in terms of the attitude and the effort at times. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, you, were, you were just saying that uh, you heard that uh, on the first goal that Edzo was all over Schmaltz again. He was, and I didn't see it, so I don't know exactly why. But <laughs> Edzo clearly – there's Ezo clearly uh, has a thing about Schmaltz. There's, there's no question now. I think we need to take Edzo out for a beer because he's cl- clearly on the same bus we are about Schmaltz. A soft surf. We'll go, we'll go out and get some soft surf. <laughs> That'd be beautiful. Yes, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Edzo will have soft surf with us. Who are we kidding? But we'll try anyway. Come on, man. <laughs> so... Um... Well, well, we'll see. I maybe we'll see some highlights between the or in the uh, between the first yeah. and second period, and I can see what's we'll going on with that. that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, Will Nylander, he's a dynamic dynamic player. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, if he was a, partly a product of the guys who he's playing with, uh, or if he could be that dynamic player for you know another team. You know, uh, yeah. I don't know enough about Willie Nylander to be able to assess that. I can only go by, you know, the the few stats that I looked at. I mean, he's a his dad played for the Blackhawks, which is awesome. Uh, you know, that would be a cool connection. It's something they could use to, uh, you know, market this the whole thing, and, yeah. and, and kind of uh, distract a people. Back to those those great teams of the uh, of the mid nineties. Oh yeah, look at that. Oh, and Brandon Sod just yeah, hit Sodder took a penalty. Yeah, he just whacked Baxter in the face with a stick. That was a dumb play. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It I think was, he was trying to he was trying to knock down a puck. Yeah, he was, but he yeah. yeah. Don't knock it down with your stick, goddammit. I tell my miners that. Yeah. Use your hand. Stop whacking at it with the stick. You're gonna kill someone. I don't think this power play is gonna end well for the Hawks. I just have a feeling. No, because I heard a stat on the way home, which was the uh the Capitals have scored a power play goal in every home game this year except for once against the Coyotes. So just take that based on, yeah. you know, the, the Blackhawks penalty kill is 24th in the league. So you got to think sometime in this game, the, uh, the caps are going to score at least one power play goal. So as they are right now, as they sit right now, and was that a goal? Nope, 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 nope. Sorry. Nope. They are in trouble to end yeah. this period. The best thing I can have is they can end this period because right now they are in trouble. Yeah. Crawford's getting shelled. Yeah, 0.4 seconds. They're going to make it out of this period, but maybe not for yeah. 
He's standing tall. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So as as we sit right now, the Hawks are eight five and or eight eight and five. Twenty one points, sixth in the Central, twentieth overall. Their goal differential is minus fourteen. Uh, they're eighteenth in faceoff percentage at forty nine point eight. And if you take Jonathan Taves out of that, yeah, they're like bottom of the league, no question. Yeah. When I was talking to Kyle Smith from uh, from that radio show earlier this week, I was, he was bringing up the same thing, and I said, yeah, it's basically. If it's not Jonathan Taves or Marcus Kruger, there's no one on this team that can win a faceoff. No. So um, the penalty kill, like I said, they're 24th. Uh, the pe- the power play, they're 28th. Uh, the goals for, they're 22nd. So they're quickly just diving. You know, they were like fourth in the league a month ago or a month and a half ago. And now they're 22nd in the league for goal- with goals for. Uh, goals against, uh, they're 28th. So that's not good either. Uh, 21st in shots per game at 32.4. That's not great. Their possession numbers, they're 8th in Corsi, 15th in Fenwick, and uh, high danger save percentage, they're ninth overall, which isn't bad. That's respectable. But thank you, you know, Corey Crawford for that. Uh, So, I mean, that's really where they sit right now. Uh, There's a lot of questions, Uh, you know. what are they going to do? You know, the guy, the, the, I, I got asked the question, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to make trades or, or what are they going to do? I'm like, at this point, we don't even know what this, I mean, we kind of know what this team is, but I don't know if they've come to terms with what they are. I, I don't, I think that the, and we've talked about it. I think that the front office and the organization, perhaps right up even to Rocky Wirtz, they're really not sure what to do because they didn't anticipate that things were going to go so bad so quickly, relatively speaking. And, you know, be, to be stuck with all these contracts and all this big salary commitment and all these expectations in the fan base. And, you know, um, I think that they're really struggling because it's going to cost the, you know, a rebuild is going to cost them a lot of money, but that said, not rebuilding may cost them a lot of money. Um, you know, when you're doing a cyber Monday ticket sale, I mean, uh, clearly, um, you know, the, the economics are not are probably not working that well anymore, especially not when you've got salary commitments that are more in line with a, you know, top four, top eight team um, and a lot of playoff re- revenue. And uh, so they, you know, they're going to have to decide. And uh, but, you know, people talk about, well, who would you trade for right now to help this team out? And my answer is. Think about it, you know, two, three years out. Who, who are you going to get that's going to be part of a, a great resurgence of this team two or three years from now? Because fixing this team this year is, a, first of all, it's a lost cause. Um, and what you'd have to, then you have to give up any, you know, any good assets you have in the minors or in the prospect ranks or draft picks in order to get those guys to help out this team because you don't have anything else to trade. Right. And, and, so, yeah, honestly, I mean, while it seemed a little crazy when I first saw it, that that whole Nealander, uh, you know, trying to get Nealander thing, that's a move that you know you can project out. He's twenty two years old, like he's a young guy. He could be a dynamic goal scorer. Like he could be, you know, the, a better version of what they thought they had or what they think they have in Alex DeBrinket, with being that sniper yeah. dynamic player. You know. You know, the only thing I would say is let's let's assume for a minute, though, that that Debrink is not going anywhere and perhaps even Nick Schmaltz is not going anywhere. Nick Schmaltz, probably his future in Chicago is on the wing. 
and then you have Brandon Saad. So you've got three good young wings there. Um, I, I, I feel like Nylander would be a nice addition, but I'm not sure necessarily that's an area of need. I threw this out to the guys on the Hawks uh, chat last week, and, and this is not anything I've heard about, but it's just something that the, the, the kind of move that would make sense. So Vasilevsky goes down with a broken foot in Tampa, and you have Corey Crawford tonight getting shelled yet again. Um, and I have to think if, if he's still healthy at the deadline and there's a team looking for a goalie, um, I got a feeling if they went to Crawford and asked him to wave, he might do it. I said the and same thing. What, yeah, I said and the same exact so, thing. I'm like that. That totally makes sense. He's got he's got a year after this left on his deal. He's 34 years yeah. old. He's got a concussion history, but he's proven that he's recovered from this past concussion. Clearly, clearly. Are you going to hang? I mean, they're not going to win another Stanley Cup in his contract cycle. No, they're not going to. So why so, hang on to him? Why waste him behind this team that's not really that good anyway? Why don't you get something for him? He's got some value. Some team right. will overpay for a guy that is a legit NHL top 10 goalie. Yeah. You know? And I mean, to his credit, and I want to I want to I want to acknowledge this cuz people always ding us that we'll say this or that and we were wrong. You know, you and I both neither of us felt like he was going to come back this quickly no. this well. No. So so to his credit, as a warrior, we said that all along. And thank goodness, you know, he's done that. So, but, but throwing out a, just a plausible scenario, here's a kind of move that a GM should be making that's running the Hawks right now. I'll just throw this out. So what if you took Crawford and you went to, you went to Steve Eiserman and you said, okay, Steve, not Steve, you, you it's uh, Brisbane now. Sorry, Steve, he's gone. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. Brisbane. Sorry. Um, you go to him and you say, look, we'll make you a deal. Corey Crawford and say maybe Eric Gustafson, although I don't place a whole lot of value on him, and say say a nice defense prospect like Nikola Baudin for Mikhail Sergeyev. There's the kind of player that the Hawks need. <laughs> that, yeah. Now, I don't know if that gets it done. I don't know if Tampa would ever part with him, but that's the kind of young player the Hawks should be going after at an area of need on defense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... Unfortunately, I don't think you get that that player. And no, probably not for that. I think the Blackhawks think that um, that's what Adam Boquist is. Whether he is or not, I think that's what the Blackhawks view Boquist as. That's fine, and that's yeah. fine. But you know what? You need more than one. You know, I mean, you need more than one elite defense defenseman. Yeah. You need a couple of them at yeah. least. Well, you can't you have know? you can't have enough of them, basically. Right. Right. You can have and, enough. I mean, you can have enough five, six, seven, and eight defensemen. We have plenty of those here. Yeah, we sure do. Yeah. But you can never have enough top pair or or even second pair like defensemen. Like those are invaluable because you could use them. That that is exactly what Vegas did last year in that in that draft, that uh, expansion draft. They went out and bought. They went out and, and scooped up as many defensemen as they possibly could, and they had way too many. But, yeah, and they had some good ones too. Yeah, but you know what? You could use those as trade pieces, or you could, you know, those are the things you want, like you know, dynamic centers or whatever. Like there are certain positions that uh, you can't have enough of. But look what the Bears have done. The Bears have gone out through the draft and free agency, and they've 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 gotten elite players. They haven't been been having their fans make arguments about you know whether Eric Gustafson is a, is a 
top top four defensemen or not, which is just ridiculous. So the fact that we're even having that discussion or, you know, debating, you know, whether you should hold on to Nick Schmaltz or not, because we're not talking about elite players here. The Bears have gone out and they've turned that franchise around by going after elite players like Mitch Trubisky, like Khalil Mack. I mean, uh, that that's what the Hawks should be doing if they're if they're going to get back into contention instead of trying to patch around a roster that's that's getting old before our eyes. I mean, Patrick Kane. Somebody said it. Maybe it was you. Thirty turned thirty the other day. He is the last of the the core players to turn thirty. Now they're all in their thirties. Some of them are retired. Marion Hosa is retired. You know, so I, it's it, I, I I really think that the Hawks have to start getting serious about a rebuild. Uh, it's whenever they want the right they're ready do it because what's going on now i mean this is a joke yeah yeah for sure and you know what you could debate the player all you want but when they went out and got jay cutler that was at least an effort to go out there yeah and get a player that's you know it was highly thought of at the time yep to bring him in. I mean, he was the, the, the quarterback that was available. He was the quarterback right. that was available. And they went out and they did what it took to bring him in. Now, you can debate, you know, everything that happened afterwards, but they were trying. They were taking their shot. And, you know, they take their shot with Khalil Mack. They take their shot with Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, as much as as much of a mess as that organization was for a couple of years, uh, they're yeah. turning it around. You know? I mean, and just watching, that's fun watching them. I mean, yeah. that team's getting better every week. And now, now people are, I mean, I've got people from other cities saying to me, I mean, I could see them in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe because that defense is really good and the offense is getting better every week. Yeah. Well, so anyway, bring, you know, tying in the whole Bears thing. And I kind of brought this up the other day when I was talking on the, uh, in an in interview. Um, the thing that I've seen and, and, <clears throat> I don't fault Jeremy Calton for anything that's going on right now. I mean, he's kind of, he was just thrown into the deep end and he's trying yeah. to figure it out. But what I like, I, you know, I, I want to, they say we don't have enough positive here, right? That's what they say. <laughs> this aggression will not stand, man. So here's some positive stuff, you know, and I want to say some positive things because there are some positive things. I've watched, you know, these games where Jeremy Calton's behind the bench and he's smiling and he's talking to young players and he's, you know, he's ch- kind of cheering them on and pumping them up and giving them, yep. pot, you know, like I like yep. to see that, you know, yep. we, we, you hear that stoic uh, Joe Quenville and there's nothing against Joe Quenville. We all love Joe Quenville. He did a lot of great stuff here. Probably one of the best, uh, you know, head coaches of Apparently, any sport to be here in Chicago. It was just Jones and for shots at Soldier Field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, but what I like to see, I like to see this young guy, he's young, he's peppy and he, and he likes to have fun. And I kind of compared it to like what I see with the bears and what Matt Nagy's doing there. Like he's, you know, like they're, they're having the dance party in the, in the locker room and stuff. Yeah. They're having fun. They're smiling. You're a better team when you're loose, you're having fun. You're enjoying the game. You're not, you're not going to be good if you're walking on eggshells and you're tight and you're tense every if you're having a little bit of fun, you're enjoying your teammates. I like to see that. That's fun stuff. So what Matt Nagy's doing, and to a certain degree, what you know uh, Joe Madden has done with the Cubs. They had fun. You know, they had the crazy dress-up things on the trips, and they're doing things that are fun that that build that camaraderie. And I like to see that. So that's what that's kind of the positive that I like to 
that I think that we're going to see from Jeremy Colleton is something we haven't seen in the past. So I, I think that's a positive and I'm kind of, yeah, I, I'm refreshed I think, to see that. I think Colleton's going to end up being a really good coach in the league. I, I, you know, just from what I heard of him, especially, you know, the job he was doing up at Rockford and, and the system he was implementing and, you know, the, his thoughts on the power play, et cetera. <clears throat> I, like we said at the top of the show, I mean, I just think that, uh, he didn't get a really good hand dealt. Him. This is a tough way to start. Um, would have been better to start, you know, with a fresh start in the off season. Uh, but you know, uh, yeah, there's a positive there. I think the play of Crawford's been a positive. I think the resurgence of Sod has been a nice positive. Um, you know, so that that's all good stuff. I mean, and then we'll we'll definitely yeah. always cite that stuff. So yeah. So I don't that that was kind of what what struck my chord and why I wrote that article about don't blame Jeremy Colleton because that's not his fault. Like he, no. he was, he really, he's 33 years old. He's never coached in the NHL. Like, and then they just, they basically just, you know, handed him a tire and threw him in the deep end of the pool. And they're like, here, go. And, he, and now he's trying to just, you know, gain his ground and get used to his team. And he had no training camp to really get, you know, he, he, he was around a little bit, but not with this team. He wasn't, um, yeah. you know, he was down Another in, in positive. Yeah. One more shift, number 16, Eddie Olchek. This is on WGN right now. This yeah. is great. Yeah, this that was great. It was great stuff. To, it was great to see Eddie out there, for sure. Yeah. I mean, what a great story. I mean, yeah. you know, Chicago guy, cancer survivor, fairly serious bout with cancer. There he is out on the UC ice, man. He looks great. South Sider, too, man. Yeah, South Sider, yeah. And it's, it, I don't know if he's a Sox fan or not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I know he's from the South Side, so... Yep. Good for him. I mean, he used to yep. spend a lot of time out, out in my stomping grounds. So, yeah. So, um, well, okay. <laughs> so, on top of the whole trade thing um, that we've, you know, we, we've kind of gone over that ad nauseum. And, and I agree with you about the Crawford thing. Like, I don't hate Corey Crawford. No. I love Corey Crawford. But I, I think that based on the the situation, just like you, I completely agree with you that like this is a time strike while the iron's hot, get something for him. He's not going to make your team that much better where it's going to put you in any any you know contention for the Stanley Cup in this no. cycle. You know what? If you want to bring him back and sign him for two million dollars after his contract, you know whatever you're going to do when he's thirty six years old, fine, do it. But for right now, if you can get something for him, do it. Take it. Take this chance. Take a chance. Yeah. You know, and get, you know, get a really good young player or a couple of really top end uh, can't miss prospects, you know, and start to rebuild this thing meaningfully instead of this pardon, pardon my French bullshit that they're they're trying to pass off on us with you know, some of these patches that they put on this team. Over the line. <laughs> I mean, it, it, let's let's start getting serious about this and stop trying to fool people into thinking that this is a playoff team or you know that that the the glory days are still going on. They're not. It's time. It's time to fix it. Time to turn it over and fix it. Yeah, yeah. So, on the other side of that, um, there's now been this talk about the Dylan Sakura has to come up. The great Dylan Sakura has to come up because he's gonna. He's going to be better than whoever, you know, insert player X, Chris Kunitz. Because he has 14 points in 19 games in the HL. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, sure. You could bring him up. What is he going to do? Whose spot is he going to take? Is he? Are you going to be able to put him in the top six where he belongs? He's not, he's not a third-line player. 
Right. So you even if you were to put him in the third line, he's just going to do nothing there. He's just going to be a guy. He's probably going to give you not much more than what Chris Kunitz would give you on that third line. Maybe a little more because he's got a little more scoring punch and a little more speed, but not a whole lot, not enough to make that big of a difference. So would you rather him go down there and just play a ton and carry that team in the AHL and stay there? Or do you want to bring him up to the NHL and kind of waste him and flail around? And Yeah. I, I mean, sure. This is, this is the problem. It's just There's just all this casting about for this answer or that answer that, that may change things and change the chemistry and, and spark the team. It, it, it's it's like it's desperation it's just it's not he's he's where he needs to be right now there's no question about that q said so colleton has said so that's where he needs to be right now to you know to learn some things and get ready for when he's ready to play in the nhl um and he is a top six style player he's not a, a grinder or a defensive specialist you know which is what you need in your bottom six so it just doesn't make sense to have him bump say Alexander Forden or Kunitz or John Hayden out of the lineup because he's not really suited to the roles those guys play. And um, it's, it's just not good for his development. What's good for his, his development is for him to be right where he is. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think, you know, it, from what I've seen from Dylan Sakura against pro players, he's okay. Um, I don't think he's going to, you know, he's not going to be the next Alex to bring it just yet. So, you know what? I think he's a little bit more of a playmaker than yeah, he is. Brinkett is he too. is. He's a little faster he's, too. He's he's quick. He's quick. He's really he really recognizes. He's a real good distributor, um, and and he can he can score a little bit too. But I think um, you know again. I mean, fourteen points in nineteen games in in the AHL is not super exceptional. It's okay. Um, you know, let's let's let him just sort of get settled in there and reach a point where he's kind of dominating that level. And then bring them up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I don't see what the hurry is because I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. It's not. No. And, and and this has been said a million times, rearranging decks on the, or rearranging chairs on the, on the Titanic. Like. Right. Right. And some people just, just need to write shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what really what it's all about. Yeah. So, I mean, sure you could bring them up, but I, I don't know that it makes that much of a difference. So. Just relax. Everyone needs to friggin' relax about this. He's not gonna. He's not gonna turn this team around. There's nothing in this organization. There's nothing in the Blackhawks organization. Not a single player, right now, that if you put him on that roster, that's gonna turn it around. No, there's not three players. He's not ready. There's not yeah. three players that you could bring right. up. So, while you know, I hate seeing Chris Kunitz out there. I think he's a waste of a roster spot. There's really nothing else you're gonna get anyway. At this point, I mean, their 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 fourth line's okay. I, I have no problem with you know Kruger and Hayden and Martinson. That's fine. They're fine for it. Yeah, Kruger's having a good game tonight, actually. I mean, in his role, I mean, he's like the only guy standing up to Tom Wilson out there. The, uh, you know, I mean, the first line of Saad, Taves, and Kane has looked pretty okay. That's a good line. I mean, that's that's a good that's a really good first line for a lot of teams. Uh, but the Debrinket uh, Anisimov Schmaltz line is brutal. Yeah, uh, they're not doing anything. No, the I, I, not doing anything I was either. printing up the, I was looking up the stats uh, uh, earlier about uh, what they're not doing, what Schmaltz and Debrinkit aren't doing, like in their past, uh, I don't know, so many, uh, so many games. And uh, let me let me bring this up here. Uh, sorry. 
I should put the uh, hold music up. So let me bring you some stats here from. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Alex Sabrinkit in his last eleven games, one goal, one assist, two points, minus eight. Now you know plus minus is it gives you a very vague picture of what's going on out there, but still he's you know a negative eight. Um, and then Nick Schmaltz in his last seventeen games. He's got two goals, two assists, four points, negative eight. I mean, those those are bad numbers. For yeah, I for, you know, for the two young guys the Blackhawks are supposed to be, you know, feeding the fan base. These are the guys. These are our next young group of players. You know. These guys are these guys are potentially, if they reach their ceilings, are potentially good second line players in the NHL if they reach their ceilings. Um, but these are not future Jonathan Taves or Patrick Keynes. And it's really irresponsible, if not downright dishonest of the, the team or anybody in a position of authority or knowledge, allegedly to, to, to say that it's because they're just, you know, Alistair Brinkett, Hey, God bless him. I love the way he competes. Uh, he's got a terrific shot, terrific release on the shot, but he needs somebody to get him the puck. And clearly, if he's not playing with the Hawks' best players, he's not looking that good. No, you know he's not a guy who's going to run a line by himself. He's not. No. And you know Schmaltz, uh, boy, I mean, you know there he can skate like the wind, and he's got some talent, you know, in terms of distributing the puck. But there's other aspects of the game where he's really, really not delivering, and it's it's becoming more and more obvious with every game. Yeah, teams um, are starting to recognize this. Oh, of course they are. You know, and, and they're just going to cut off the shot and they're going to force him to pass, which he's going to do because he does it, you know, to his detriment. And he, they're going to put bodies on him. Yeah. Because the more physical you get with him, the more he shrinks out to the perimeter and he becomes more of a non-factor. Yeah, and which is it, which is why you go back to like the Evan Barrett thing. Like, that's, you know, we need, they, they need more of that. Yeah, they, they need, need some more rough guys and tumble. play big, yeah. you know. They need yep. some rough and tumble guys that can go in there yeah, and, and stick their nose in there. Skilled. Because everybody always goes, oh, yeah, you want a bunch of goons. No, we want guys with skill who also play the game the way it's supposed to be played. This is a contact sport. Yeah. You know, it's not ballet. And, the, you know, the reality of it is, is that, you know, the best players, the best teams, the playoff teams, the, the Stanley Cup teams, those are teams that not only have a lot of skill, but they come with a lot of lumber and a lot of muscle. And that's what it takes to win in this league. Well, I think don't kid yourself. And I think this guy's kind of over the top, but look who scored the first goal for the Cavs tonight. Tom Wilson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a little over the top for sure. Yeah. He, but he's, he's an idiot, but yeah, but he's an effective player. Yeah. But he's tough, you know, and he makes yeah. a difference out there and he sticks his nose in, you know, loose pucks and he sticks his nose. You know, he's not afraid of, he's not going to shy away from, from little contact or anything like that. And that's what the Blackhawks right. need a little bit of. They've got that talent. They've got the, the raw, you know, uh, the raw talent to go out there and, you know. Oh, Tate's just made a really nice play. Shoot pucks oh. and stuff. Yeah. Oh, Camp couldn't finish it, but that was a nice play. Yeah. You're, I think, again, I think you're a little bit behind or you're a little bit ahead of me. You'll but, see it. Yeah. So. That's that. Um, that you know, Sakura, he is what he is. Uh, you, you'll probably see him at some point if there's an injury or something like that. But uh, so, uh, well, I guess we should go. We can go into questions now. We're about forty minutes Let's in. Let's do so, it. Or actually, Let's do it. Yeah. 
So Phil Price asks, and um, this was uh, one he asked a couple days ago, or actually a week ago, said, I read a clickbait article about Jonathan Taves meeting with Gary Bettman, rumoring him to have asked about renegotiating his contract for less money, which Elliot Friedman has come out and said that was not true. It didn't happen. Yeah, it sounds like BS. Yeah, and, and it couldn't happen anyway. He says, whether it's true or not, how would you redo Taves' contract? $6 million and a no movement? Uh, I think he's worth more than that. Six million dollars isn't a lot of money, you know, in this yeah. NHL right now. I, I think he's worth more than that. Maybe he's not, he's not worth, uh, you know, ten and a half million dollars, but eight and a half isn't, you know. Yeah, well, you know, the the contracts that I've always used as comparators for for Taves and Kane were uh, Malkin and Crosby, and I believe Malkin and Crosby are both in the nine nine and a half range, and I I don't understand why the Hawks felt they had to pay Taves and Kane a, a million more a year apiece versus Malkin and Crosby. I, I don't, I don't, you know, and again, there's some Hawks fans, oh, you know, they're not, they're not as good. Uh, I don't, I don't agree. I think they're, they're comparable players, comparable achievements in their careers. And I just don't understand why a year ahead of their free agency, the Hawks felt that they had to give uh, Taves and Kane $21 million between them. When the uh, the Penguins got Malkin and Crosby, I believe, for around nineteen million, and that's you know that that two million that two million dollars is real money, you know. Three cups, um, and, three cups, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the whole so, world gone crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say about eight, eight and a half or something like that. Nine, uh, you know, a million, shave a million or two off. Always but, having a good year this year. Yeah, you know, I mean. All this stuff about him being finished, et cetera, well, that's that's kind of been shown not to be true. Yeah. Now, well, Schmaltz just lost a face off. That was yeah. Shocking. Eh, yeah. Shock um, me, shock so, me, shock yeah. me. Anyway, uh, Alex Dr. Would you mind explaining how the next CBA in the coming off season could help with the Seabrook contract? Well, I mean that's real easy. I've talked about that for three years now or two years yes, now. Have. I mean, if 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 they offer a uh, some kind of uh, amnesty buyout where you can get rid of some of these. Uh, ridiculous contracts. I mean, the Blackhawks would it, honestly at this point in time, though, I don't know the Blackhawks would actually take it. They they baffle me sometimes. You know, where where Stan Bowman will come right out to the public and say, "Well, you know, we think he, you know, his contribution to the team is worth more than you know, you know, blah blah blah," and and, and spew a whole bunch of BS. And while I think it may be out there, I don't know if the Blackhawks would use it on, on Brent Seabrook. Well, I, you know, I've, I've been hearing for a couple of years now that they've been quietly shopping him at every chance, but nobody's biting on that contract, you know, and that, that contract's an albatross. Well, and I got a feeling if they had the opportunity for a compliance buyout with a new CBA that they'd probably take it with Seabrook and, you know, give him, um, you know, a nice, a nice send off in some way, which he's, you know, earned and, and merited. But, uh, um, you know, he's, listen, he's, he's yeah, on this blue line. He's one of the better players, but that's not saying much. And he's certainly not the worth the money he's been, you know, he's being paid. And furthermore, that he's going to be paid for a long time. Um, you know, as debatable as that, you know, his value is now, it's not going to get better probably. No, no, for sure. And, and, right. and I just want to be clear. I would like them to take that compliance buyout seabrook is my yeah. favorite player right behind crawford and uh oh i love the guy yeah love i love him guy. to death but uh you got to get rid of the gig you got to get that money off the book so you can use it elsewhere yeah so but again the blackhawks 
have a real hard time admitting their mistakes, which is where that scares me. Because that would be admitting a huge mistake. You know, and that's really interesting you say that because, you know, I've always said that all GMs make mistakes, but the good ones fix them fast, you know. And I think we're, we're kind of seeing that the, 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 the big flaws of this front office and, and the fact that they, they've always handled success very well, but they have not handled adversity very well. And they tend to live in denial and they, you know, try to force denial on the fan base. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what's going on here. I mean, the fact that they're, you know, still trying to keep these playoff hopes alive and, and all that nonsense. And let's, if they even made the playoffs, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. They're going to get, four games or five games and out, man, if they even, if they even made it. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Well that, and, and that's the thing that, that makes, that sets, you know, just a, a, an NHL GM from a great NHL GM being able to, you know, make your team better when there's adversity, be able to make that hard move that, that has to be made to make your team better. And we haven't seen a lot of that out of Stan Bowman. Contrary to what people, what the, the smoke people want to blow up your ass, we haven't seen a lot of that. He, he's done a little no. bit. Like, he tried to he tried to make that hard move with getting rid of Panarin in a long-term thing, and it hasn't necessarily worked out the way they, they had originally planned. But that was one of those things where he tried to go out there and he tried to make you know be proactive, make that move, to make your better your team better in the long run, and it just didn't necessarily really work out. So yeah, well, I, I'm going to wait again. I'm going to give Bowman a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on that one, only because you know if if or should I say when Panarin's playing in another jersey next year, and the the Hawks have Sod to show for that's that's actually going to make that deal look a lot better. But uh, it's hard to see it right now. Yeah, well, if if uh, the Blue Jackets win the Cup this year, then. <laughs> That, then it might good. be a wash. Yeah, they look really good. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. anyway, Clay Bandow, watch the Rockford Ice Hogs here in Texas. The Hogs gave up several shorthanded rushes to the Stars. Now believing that a terrible power play is an organizational issue, not just the big club. What would it take uh, for the organization to make the power play a priority? I mean, I don't know that it's not a priority, but I don't know that they're doing anything to fix it. Uh, I think I think that they did made a couple of big positive steps in the draft this year they drafted you know in the first round two kids who can both run a power play like nobody's business so that's a good thing but they're not around and they're not going to be around for a while um uh so but but because to me i i've i've come to the opinion of the last couple of years that it's really the personnel and not the coaching i mean to say that the that the the coaches you know even q and and Deneen and and uh uh, Samuelson, you know, as, as much as people like to, to dump on them, they tried a lot of different things. They tried a lot of different approaches on the power play. The problem is every time they try something new, they, the Hawks end up doing the same things. Um, Duncan Keith missing shots from the point and Patrick Kane overhandling the puck on the right half board. And, uh, I mean, it, it just, it, that, so the, the thing is they've got to get some guys who are, uh, and it's not to say Kane isn't a great offensive player. He really is, but I just, there's something about the way that, that, that the team stops moving when he's handling the puck. And basically then he just takes a shot right into the goalie's pads. Um, it, it, what it comes down to is they just got to get some players who are better power play players, in my opinion. Fine, keep Kane out there. I love the guy, no question. Taves, win draws, he gets in front of the net. He can do things around the net. But beyond them, I mean, they, they got to get some better players in the power play. 
yeah, and just just watching, like as you were saying that, I'm watching the Blackhawks, and they're cycling the puck pretty well against the Capitals down down deep in the zone. But when you get to a point where they get to the power play, they just stop moving, they stop yeah. cycling, they all they stand move. still. Yep. And and I've said this for like three years now, and their power play really, outside of like one year, their power play with even in the Quenville era wasn't good at all, from nope. beginning to end. Like there was like one anomaly year where they were like in the top ten. But other than that, their power play's never really been that good. And and it's basically the same players have been involved in these power plays. You know, Seabrook, yep. Keith, Kane, Taves, Taves. Uh, yep. Sharp for a while, Sod. Uh, Hosa. Like, they're all world-class players, and they couldn't seem to put it together. But it was all a bunch of people standing still, playing catch slowly, not opening up lanes, shooting, you know, bad angle shots. And I kind of agree with you on that, that maybe it wasn't necessarily a, a coaching issue, that these players just had stuck in their head that they're, they're, they're better than, you know, they know better. And, you know, Duncan Keith's going to try and jam it through someone's shin guards the entire game. And everyone's going to stand there while Patrick Kane does it and, and watch him like my minor kids That's do. That's what they do. They just watch him. And, and they, they stop moving. And they, if, if I'm a defending that, Four and five. If I'm defending that, I'm just going to take the lanes away and let them let them overhandle the puck on the on the right half board. Any, well, he shoots it into the goalie's pads. Anyone who's played on the on the penalty kill realizes that it's real easy to cover a power play when no one's moving around. Right, right. You could cover. Again, actually, I, one I guy can. That, I don't think. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say. You know, one guy can cut can actually cover two guys if they're not moving around. Like if you got enough reach and you got a good stick. You can you could close down two lanes, and when when someone's not moving around, and the Blackhawks don't seem to move around enough, they move, you know, three feet one direction, three feet in the other direction. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, you got to move players, you got to move pucks on, on the power play. That's what you have to do. And yet, you, you know, you have to have a purpose. It's not just random running around, but um, you know, to create those mismatches and those open those open lanes. It's funny because o- Ovechkin was just overhandling the puck on the left half board. Tate stole it and started to break the other way. And your uh, boy Fortin just had a nice play, almost scored. Yeah, he almost scored, yeah. yeah. All right, getting back into the questions. Uh, Ken Kallenbach, how bad would the team have to finish for McDee and Stanbo and McIsaac to be removed? Is that even possible for next season? Yeah, sure. If this team really bottoms out and, you know, they're they're like, you know, one of the bottom three teams in the league, sure. That could happen. Well, yeah, and I, I think that if they finish anywhere from, you know, that point, like up to about, you know, 10th, you know, I, you know, two, two, two spots out of the playoffs, I think that, you know, no, nobody's fooled anymore. Now this whole thing of we got to get we got to get Crawford back. That was the mantra last year. You know, um, I, I think at that at that point, nobody's going to be fooled anymore. And and. You know, Rocky Wirtz probably at that point has to bite the bullet and say, you know what, I got to rebuild this thing, and I got to bring some, I got to bring some fresh blood in here. And you know, it's not just the two of us saying this. I mean, there are people in in the NHL saying this. Um, you know, somebody I spoke with a few weeks back, um, you know, basically said they they've got to they've got to turn the whole thing over and they need new management. You know, yeah, and uh, I agree. So it's so yeah, I mean, it's it's real possible and. and and in my opinion, the way that McDonough and Bowman are behaving right now and the things that they're saying are, are you know, quite, you know, indicative. Oh, they just gave up another one. They're quite indicative of, um, 
you know, guys who are worried about their jobs. They should be. Absolutely. They should be. Yeah. Kempney. Kempney just scored. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, terrible Michael Kempney. Yeah, the guy we had to get rid of. Yep, 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 yep. For sure. Yeah. All right. The last question, Jackie Davis, our girl Jackie Davis. Jackie. Um, let's see. I know it's been the talk that Colleton would one day take Q's place. They said after the firing that he was interim coach. My question is, if they end up dead last in the division and do not make the playoffs, will they replace Colleton as well? By the way, no. I, for one, hope they don't make the playoffs. They will be steamrolled in the first round if they do. Rather see them get a nice draft pick. I completely agree with that. That's definitely my, uh, I agree. Um, But uh, yeah, it's really hard to, to say they're going to dump on Colleton. Uh, that's just not fair to him, really, honestly. But here's the deal. If, if as we suspect might happen, um, they, they do clean house in the front office, then you're going to have a GM that's going to want to hire his own coach. That GM may, may look at Colleton, may interview Colleton, but they, that GM may also decide, uh, you know, I, I'm going to bring in my guy. Um, I think Colleton's a, a good kid. He's got a good future. Um, but, uh, you know, the Hawks even offer him another position in the organization, perhaps, and maybe even back at Rockford. Um, but, uh, I think, I think it's quite honestly, I think there's a greater chance of a new GM coming in than, um, you know, them deciding to, to get rid of Colleton. Yeah. Oh, I just and then watched if the new GM comes in, then they'll get rid of him. Yeah. yeah I just watched possible. that goal. I gave up a goal exactly like that Sunday. Oh, Co- he, Crawford he didn't even green. see it. Yeah. Yeah, Crawford was totally screwed. It was a nice shot by Kempney. He always had a good shot. Yeah, I had that. My own teammate, my own teammate, uh, screened the hell out of me, and uh, I didn't even move. And I ended up breaking my break uh, <laughs> breaking my goalie stick after the goal. I was not happy to say the least. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, I think that brings it to the end. Uh, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, happy safe Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, we, you know, we want all you guys to make it home, uh, you know, don't drink and drive, make it home safely, spend a lot of time with your family, uh, enjoy this time. And, uh, so you can find all of our comprehensive contact content, sorry, at www.the-rink.com where you will now, as we said earlier, you will be able to uh, read your Chicago steel content as well on top of the Blackhawks. The Indy oh, Fuel. Oh, Brandon Sod, baby. Nice. Cool. Ah. Wow. And the... Oh, uh, Sorry for that. No, no, no. You're fine. And the Rockford Ice Hogs. And all of the prospects from Aaron and uh, Ron and all of our hardworking writers. Uh, they're, they're doing a great job out there and we're killing it. And I'm, I'm very proud of what everyone's doing out there. Uh, you can find us on the popular social media at The Rink Official. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, the rink cast if you want to send something specifically to the rink cast we will give uh you know we put all our specific rink cast stuff out at this account uh, i am at puck and hostel you are at jakel j-a-e-c-k-e-l follow us all on the twitter machine if you're out there uh, if you get a chance i sent out a tweet today about uh going to itunes rate and review us please that helps moves us up the chain share your uh Oh, God, I just saw that side goal. Wow. Beauty. That's Brandon Sod. That, yeah, that is. He scored one last goal or last game that way where he yep. went around. Yep. Yeah, it was beautiful. Welcome back, Brandon Sod. 
Um, and, and, and Carlton probably is the guy who got his head right. Yeah, you know, might be. Yeah, might very well be. That's I. I love to see that out of Brandon Saad. That's love that. Just straight away, nothing flashy. Drive to the net and beat the goalie. He's power forward. I love speed, that speed and power. And and you yeah. know it's hey, just like another number twenty back in his day, right? Al Secord. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, big Al. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite as not quite as feisty, but uh, he's got that hard edge to him. So. Right. Yep. Uh. So anyway, yeah, like I was saying, uh. Go over to iTunes, rate and review us, please. We really appreciate that. That helps us. It moves us up the rankings. We, we want to get more listeners out there to, and, and, you know, expose ourselves. You don't want to <laughs> expose ourselves to uh, to new listeners and uh, bring in new listeners and, and new readers and stuff. Not literally expose ourselves. <laughs> yeah, right. But... Exactly. And uh, so I don't have any more plugs. I, like, like I said, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And thank you for reading our stuff. We're kind of, you know, we're in on a year now. We've been doing this, and we've really grown, and we're really proud of what we have here. So, um, you know, that's that's it for me. Um, what, you got any uh, last plugs you want to? I, I want to just uh, plug our, our sponsor, our exclusive sponsor, puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. I had the pleasure of uh, wearing my uh, rank blue and black flannel to uh, to the Blue Jackets and um, – Gosh, they won't Florida game last week. And, uh, man, that thing looks nice. I had some uh, Twitter followers commenting they want to, they want to get one themselves. Um, you know, it was available at the rink if you use the discount, or excuse me, at Puck Hockey, if you use the discount, the rink, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, no dash, in the discount code, you get 10% off. Uh, you know, we have, uh, we have a hoodie. We have baseball sleeves. We have, a, we have a T-shirt. We have a couple of cool hats, one flat brim. I uh, want a uh, you know flex fit uh, blue with the uh, with the rink logo on it um, that I wear a lot. Plus, there's just tons of cool hockey gear, um, not literal hockey gear, but hockey apparel uh, available at, at Puck Hockey as well. Great Christmas gifts. Um, you know, we're gonna find a way to get some some out to our writers this Christmas as well, and uh, you know, you'll be seeing more of it then on the Twitters and whatnot. But get some yourself. It's great stuff. Yeah, for sure. This is a perfect time with the, with the cold weather. The hoodie's nice. The flannel's nice. The you know. flannel's the deal, man. It, it is so warm. It looks great. Um, real high quality stuff. I mean, this isn't like you know your typical crap T-shirt stuff. This is really nice stuff. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why we we wanted to have this partnership with them was that they have good quality gear. So yeah, they do stuff that we would wear and we did wear before we were actually partners. Yes, with them. that's true. So yeah, I have a ton of it. I have like a bunch of the the Hosa stuff that I bought, you know, I, this stuff wasn't given to me. I bought it out of my own, you know, my own pocket. I got this, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, skate with the skate with the devil stuff. I've got a couple of those. If you look at my, uh, my Twitter avatar, the, uh, the photo that's on there, it's the goalie in the metal corpse paint. It's a goalie mask with the, uh, metal corpse paint. I have that shirt. I love it. It's awesome. Uh, so, uh, again, we, we're customers, we're not just the partners. We're actually customers. So we're not just spewing we're not BS. Just the hair club president. We're also, we're also clients. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a little help in that area. So uh, hey, give them a call. <laughs> so yeah, thank, thanks, John, for bringing that up. Um, shout out to the Chicago Steel. Um, yes, we'll be we'll, you'll be hearing a lot more from them. Uh, shout out to all of our writers. I want to wish all of our writers a happy Thanksgiving as well. Uh, 
We love you guys. You guys are killing it out there. And great. Thanks for all guys. your hard work. We're, super, we're incredibly lucky to have you. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just, it's so great. I mean, to uh, to have these guys, you know, just stepping up and, and doing uh, a lot of the work that we were having to do last year in addition to everything else and, uh, you know, delivering some real quality content on top of it. Yeah, I, I, for sure. I, I can't say enough good things about our guys. I, I love our team. And I'm really proud of everything that we're putting out there. So, um, so um, that being said, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the ring.